heard it said before, and there's a, kind of an old saying. I've, I've looked back to see who said it, and there's some kind of controversy on exactly who said it. And it goes something like this. There was someone years ago who was asked um, about his philosophy on parenting, because he had several kids, and he said, well, when I was single and had no kids, I had five philosophies on parenting, and now I have five kids and no philosophies on parenting. And um, and even as I look at this text today, I just think of all the ways that uh, I still need God's grace. I don't come as an expert um, speaking about this and the Lord's working on me and challenging me this week and of things. And I think it says, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. And I'm like, oh, I failed there. So with God's grace, he's teaching us and using us despite our, our failings and are falling short. And as we look at Ephesians, we do have that overarching theme of being new in Christ, that we are new in him, that we were those who were once dead in sin and we were made alive. We're those who God, even in Ephesians 1, talks about that we were chosen, that we were adopted to be children of God. And I think of Ephesians chapter 5, the beginning verses, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved and gave himself up for us. So we have this thing, this truth that, that if we're in Christ, if we turn, we've trusted in him, that we're, we're beloved. We're beloved children of our God. And we have this kind of overarching things as, as parents that we call it. We've been made new um, in Christ. He is the center of our life. And we're also um, made his children loved by him and as moms and dads we want our kids to know that same love as well so there's some things overarching things that we think of as we look at this text so let's look at this beginning instruction is that of instruction to children instruction to children verses one through three and i can only imagine as they're reading this letter see you're in the church of one of those early churches a letter comes from Paul, and you're sitting there as a kid. You're probably doodling on whatever you would doodle with. I don't know. And, and he says, children, oh, instruction to us. So Paul um, brings instruction from, through the Holy Spirit, uh, speaking the words of God, children, obey your parents. And the children here, this is speaking of children who are, are not yet adults, children that are in the home, and instruction to them of their obedience to their parents. And it says, Obey your parents. Obey your parents. So there's this relationship here. And I think we should always note when you hit this um, that last week we talked about this relationship that the husband is called to the sacrificial loving of his wife. And we saw that picture that wasn't of putting on a general outfit, but that of like Jesus who took a towel and a basin and washed the disciples' feet. And that's the picture of us loving, husbands loving and leading, and the wife seeks seeks to, to submit to that leadership and follow her husband. But it doesn't say, wives, obey your husbands. Notice that. So, okay, so this is different. And it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. So there's a, obedience called here. And parents are called to give kids, we're called by God here to give you guys instruction, to give you direction, to give you protection, to teach, to give you guidance. And sometimes that means putting up rules and putting up boundaries and barriers that don't feel like a lot of fun when you're a child. But it's not because we want to crush you, but we want you actually to flourish and grow. So we're called 
to give you instruction. And we do it because we love you. It's a little bit like if you have at home, if you have pets, um, you, like, we have a dog. Um, we have little Jetta. And so we have, we have some boundaries that we give her. You know, we like to, she is, she's old enough, and she would stay near us in the front yard if we went out in the front yard and played. But when her neighbor down the street who has a Hummer comes driving by, she just loves to bark at the Hummer and run after it. So we put her on a leash and on, on a lead in our front yard so that she doesn't get smushed by the Hummer because we love Jetta. And she might be kind of upset, but it, there's a reality that we don't always know what's best um, for ourselves when we're growing up. I didn't. Um, I just didn't know, and I, I was growing in that as a kid, and my parents put guidelines and, and barriers on me because they loved me. And sometimes it's hard to see it, but we're called to obey. And Paul then walks through just different re- reasons why kids are to obey. It says, obey your parents in the Lord. And here with a different preposition, sometimes you wonder, is he speaking about the parents who are in the Lord or the kids who are in the Lord? And, and I think there's application to both. Um, and one of those, even the New Living Translation, it translates, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. It's talking to kids. If you've trusted in Christ, you're his and you're called to obedience uh, as you follow Jesus Christ and you belong to him. We have a Savior who's died for us, and he knows what's best for us, and he's called you just into obedience to your parents to trust them as they seek to follow after Christ as well. Uh, so children, uh, a call to obey. And uh, two, we see that for each child, there's individual faith of a child, too, to trust in Jesus. And as parents, we'll talk about that in a little bit, just calling to point them to that. But also, um, it could be that of, of two parents are also representatives of the Lord Jesus. So we're, we're followers of Christ where the Lord has given us a responsibility to be ambassadors of Christ, ambassadors of the grace of our God. So he's put us here. So parents, that's one of the things we, we walk in. Now, I think it's true, important to note that as parents, that we are, we're not the saviors of our kids, um, but Jesus is. And Jesus is center, as we see in this, the call of obedience that Christ is center. We've seen that throughout Ephesians, that Jesus is to be center of our lives and center of our home. And we need to make Jesus the center of our marriage and our family and our home life. Because if we seek to, to make maybe our spouse our hope, um, that's always going to fall short. Things are going to fail. If we seek even to make ourselves the center, our savior of our kid's life, that's just going to going to fall. It's, it's going to fail. It's not going to do well. Or sometimes we might put our hopes upon our kids um, to fulfill us, and that's going to fall short too. That's going to fail. And they can't hold the way to be in Jesus. They're not. So Jesus is center, um, and he can carry that weight and the responsibility that we cannot. Um, so we trust in him. Um, so we look to Jesus. I think also as we think about this, we think about how Jesus too for for, our, for kids, um, Christ is our example, um, even as children. We see in the Gospel of Luke, maybe you remember the story how Jesus with his family, he, they go from Nazareth, they go up because of the Passover, they go up to Jerusalem. And on their way back, they um, are in a group of people, a group of families traveling back, and they realize, where's Jesus? So they run back to Jerusalem, and he's in the temple in his father's house, and they call him to come home with him, and it says that Jesus was submissive. He was obedient to his parents. So even Christ gave example. 
that he, the one creator of all things, who came to save even uh, and die for the sins of his parents, um, he was willing to be obedient in that. So we have the example of Christ. And Paul continues and he says, it's right. It's, it's a right thing. It's good, he's saying. It's a good thing for children to obey. And now, obedience, it's not easy at all. It, it's, man, it's darn right difficult to obey. And not just for when we we're kids as adults. We're always under authority, and we sometimes push against authority. And we think in our, our flesh sometimes we're like, why should I listen to my parents? I know more than they do. You know, I do. You know, don't they know that? I know what's best, but we do that even in jobs in other places. We're like, oh, I know what's best. I know what to do. And it's just hard sometimes to obey. It's hard. Our flesh fights against us. And we live in a culture that says our, our truth is our, our only truth and, and just follow that. So it's even harder to, to tell kids to obey, but we're called to obey because it's good and it's right. It's a good thing. It leads to good things. And parents, we've walked through a lot of things already. Um, we've walked through difficulty. We've walked through first grade and second grade, third grade, and fourth grade. And so hopefully, hopefully we've walked through all of those, at least, up to, at least up to 12th grade. Hopefully we've walked through that. And so we're able to, to kind of to speak into those things. And we've walked through life and we've, we've messed up. We're called to give you instruction and it's right to obey them. It's a good thing. And we call you to obey, not because we want you to suffer, but because we want you to learn and we want you to grow we desire that for you because we love you. We want you to find Jesus and find hope and life in him. Um, we we want to rescue you really from heartache. Um, we want to rescue you from rebellion um, and, and the grief that comes with that in our lives. So we need parents because um, they've walked before us. It's a little bit like if you're next year, if you're going into fourth grade and a third grader comes up to you who's just going into third grade says, hey, I want to tell you all about fourth grade and all the things you're going to face. You're going to be like, you're crazy. What are you talking about? But if a, if a fifth grader comes in and says, hey, these are things you're maybe going to experience in fourth grade, you might listen because they've walked through it. So you have to realize that um, we're, we, we've walked through things. We've walked through them. Now, we'll talk about this in a little bit, but parents, we do fall short a lot of times, though. Right? We acknowledge that. We sometimes overreach. Sometimes we overstep. Sometimes we come in too harshly and Hopefully, we're quick to say, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm walking through this. I'm learning to. But God's grace is sufficient. Um, so then, what else? So it's, it's right. It's right to obey. And also, obedience is commanded by God. And we see that in verse 2. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. This is the command of God. And this is Paul. He looks back to the Old Testament, to the Ten Commandments. And this is the Fifth Commandment. And he's, he is um, quoting from Exodus 20, 12. And it's the Fifth Commandment. The first four commandments in the Ten Commandments are all about loving God. And then the last half are all about loving others. And it begins with calling kids to honor their mom and dad. That means to honor. Honor is to, like, to esteem, to respect. And it has an idea of obeying as well. But it's not just outward obedience, but it's obedience of the heart when we honor our father and mother. And we're called to do that even with God as well. Sometimes we think, oh, I just have to follow God's a God. He just gives us rules and we follow him. No, he calls us into relationship with him as well as we desire as parents' relationship. And two, I, I just think to know, and I kind of mentioned it a little bit, but we know that we live in a world that's broken by sin 
And because of that, we do experience um, sometimes brokenness in families. And some of you have walked through separation. Some of you have walked through divorce and the difficulties that comes and, and brings into even to that r- relationship. And we know that. It can be messy, it can be difficult, but God's grace is even greater in those situations. Uh, he's able to redeem and to give you grace to love and care for your kids, even if it's messy for a time or a long season as well. But the call for parents to lead and kids to honor. And then it says, well, we also want to obey our parents because God promises a good, fruitful reward. There's fruit. There's, there's something good about it when we obey our parents. Uh, here, Paul takes a promise that was made to the people of Israel, and he applies it to all of God's children here and to all those who are part of the body of Christ, the church. And he says that it'll go well with you and you will live long in the land. Or maybe your translation says live long on earth. So there's this general truth that is said here, the truth that we experience more fully that God's grace when we walk in obedience. Um, There's a measure of his grace when we seek to, to be obedient to our parents and not walk in rebellion. There's a lot of brokenness that happens when we walk in rebellion, but a lot of um, joy and safety that happens when we walk in obedience to our parents and, and there is that truth. There is a blessing that comes with our obedience. So Paul uses this promise in the Old Testament um, to teach a general biblical principle of truth of living today. And then as well, ultimately, if we are those who follow Jesus, that we've turned from our sins and trust in him, we do have a hope of eternal life in the new heavens and new earth. There's great hope that we find. A couple verses from Proverbs speaks about this too. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 10 says, Hear my son... And accept my words that, ye- that the years of your life may be many. Or Proverbs 10, 27, the fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the year of the wicked will be short. And now, now, it's not saying that we won't walk through hardship and suffering and feel the effects of sin, but we know that the Lord sustains um, us and his grace is sufficient even as we walk through those things. So kids, um, you're called to obedience, but it's a good thing. It brings life. And in life, we're always going to have authority over us. Always. Even if we're the boss of our own company, there's authority. There's government. And ultimately, we're under the authority of the Lord God. And we're called to learn, even as children, to submit to that. And it's part of God's design. And it's instruction in God's word and his authority over us. It, again, isn't to crush us, but to show us how in life we might flourish by his design by his grace and he calls us even for rescue and salvation in him so uh, we might even ask that god may you give me a heart of a submissive heart um, to see the wisdom in my parents and um, even be gracious when they don't always get it right we don't always get it right Uh, but maybe ask the lord to give you um, just a, a submissive heart that you might not rebel against god and your parents and then Paul doesn't stop there, and he gives instructions to the parents as well, and, and focuses on the father. But we see instruction that's applicable to both mom and dad as we look through these verses. It says, fathers, um, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. So, father, so the question might be, is Paul just saying that 
that mothers aren't involved in parenting. Well, no, because he's already said, children, who are they to obey? Obey their parents. It's plural. Uh, there's instruction for both. Or Think of in the Old Testament, Proverbs 1, verse 8 and 9 says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. So even from the Old Testament, listen to both. Or Proverbs 6, 20, my son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. So there's a call to both, but fathers are called to lead. Uh, they all are called to, to lead their families. That great weight of responsibility is placed on, on the father. And again, though, we know that sometimes because of brokenness of sin, that um, some of you as moms have, have been the one that's had to lead out because a father has been absent. And the Lord is gracious in that. But fathers uh, are called to lead. And the fathers are called, as we saw last week, the way we do, the way we lead. Um, how does, what does Paul lead out on when he calls the husband to lead his wife? Love your wife. Love her. Uh, the same applies to with our kids. Love them. We have the example of our Heavenly Father. We're called beloved children in chapter 5, verse 1. Love them. This is what we're called to, to serve them. Take that towel in the basin and wash our kids' feet. I'm saying serve them. Maybe we could wash their feet. I don't know. That <laughs> We've done that before. It's kind of a fun, stinky thing. But, um, but to love them. So fathers, I think that first call and the thing to remember is uh, we're to lead. We're, we're called to love and point our kids to Jesus, and we can't subcontract that out. Um, we can't subcontract that out to moms. Um, we're called to lead out on that. We can't say, well, well, mom will take care of the spiritual side or point them to Jesus. No, we're called to lead out on that. Can't subcontract it out to the church or to a uh, youth minister or to a children's minister. We're called to lead out as dads in those things. And uh, what are we called to do, both as moms and dads? There's application here. And I'm going I'm to skip over the provoke thing, but don't worry, kids. I'm going to get back to the provoke thing. So we, we, need, we need that instruction. But first, what what are, what are we called to do? We're called to bring up our kids. Bring up our kids. And this word of bringing up is the word of nourish. Back in chapter 5, when husband's called to nourish and cherish his wife, it's that same word of nourishing, of bringing up, rearing. And we also follow the example of our heavenly father, father who's provided, who's nourished and provides for us and loves us. This is from Matthew 6, 25 through 26, a passage of may be familiar with, probably familiar with, speaking about God's provision in our fears and anxieties. And it says, therefore, I tell you, this is Jesus teaching. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what uh, you will put on. <clears throat> is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look to the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet, your, father, your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they are? So we have this picture of our heavenly Father who takes care of the animals and says, hey, your heavenly Father, he takes care of you even more than, than, create, than the animals, the birds of the field. So here we see um, that our heavenly Father, he cares for us. He knows our needs. And as, as parents, we're to nourish and bring up our kids and care for their needs, nourish them, love them, love them, We're called to love them. So bring them up, and we bring them up in, in the Lord. 
and sometimes that means when we provide for them, uh, sometimes though they, they have wants, as we all have wants, um, that aren't always needs, and we have to, to walk through that. And also there's emphasis here on that of nourishing spiritually, to, to teach our kids and point them to Jesus, instruct them, we're called to, to nourish them. Um, also, one way I like thinking of it is we're called to fuel their passion for Jesus, fuel their desire to know Jesus, fuel their love for Jesus. And there's different ways you can do that. Sometimes connect other things they love with, with maybe someone who in that field loves Jesus, and we can connect them in those different ways. And, uh, and there's all sorts of ways to, to fuel and think, how can I fuel um, their love for Jesus? Maybe they love science, and you see the amazing ways that we can see design and look to our Creator, just different ways that we can fuel their passion for Jesus. And we're not called um, to ultimately fuel, or we're not called at all to fuel their love for the world, uh, to fuel their love, our desire for fame, or our temporal wealth, or whatever it might be. We're also not called to shield them from all storms of the world as we nourish them. We can't shield them from all storms, but we can be with them. Um, we can seek God's wisdom and discernment how we are to, to be with them in those storms. I think of Jesus with the disciples. One of my favorite stories is when they're out on the sea and there's this huge storm and the, the waves are huge and Jesus is asleep in the boat. They're like, Jesus, don't you care? And he wakes and he calms the storm, says, where is your faith? And the storm is calmed and Jesus is with us even in the storm. So we walk with our kids even, even in difficulty. So we're to bring them up in discipline, it says, in discipline. This is instruction of the Lord. And, and it is discipline, it's correction as well. This is a word for, for that of, of, of correction that we are to give them. It's the same word as in Hebrews. There's a, another passage, if you've grown up in the church, a, a really familiar passage about discipline from the Lord. Hebrews 12, uh, verses 5, 6, and well, 5 through 11. We'll just read some of those verses, though. And have you forgotten... The exhortation that addresses you as sons. My son, do not regret, I'm sorry, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastises every son whom he receives. And then verse 10, for they discipline, parents discipline us for a short time as it seems best to them, but he, our God, disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful, right? It seems painful always, rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So there's this, this truth that we're called to discipline, instruct our kids, and it's, it's going to be painful at times, but um, it produces a good fruit. We all need discipline and instruction, and to do that um, with regard to instruction from from God's word. But as a parent, uh, it's not always easy to know how to discipline. It's not always easy, even easy to know when a kid is, is just being a child or when they're actually rebelling, rebelling and being disobedient to us. And it's a battle. This is from um, a pastor who is older and wiser than I am. He's a, um, one who is, has a commentary as well on Ephesians. It's um, Pastor Cohen, and he wrote this. There is, of course... A massive difference between children being childish, which loving parents will tolerate patiently, and disobedience, which loving parents will not. And also a big difference between a child's spirited energy 
which needs to be encouraged, and a child's stubborn willfulness, which needs to be tamed. So it's hard sometimes as we want to discipline, and we need to, to ask the Lord's um, discernment of when a child is being childish and when a, a child is rebelling. And, and actually, childishness, it looks different in different times of our life. What might have been childish when they were two is not so childish when they're seven. <laughs> and you like, this is rebellion at this point. <laughs> but we need to, to walk through that and ask the Lord to give us wisdom of when um, they are just acting as children or when there is disobedience that needs to be disciplined there. And, and there's all sorts of things. Even with kids, um, it can be different with their different strengths and weaknesses. Some kids are just really uh, mild-mannered, and sometimes their disobedience is harder to find. Um, it's a little more passive and, and underneath. And then some of, of, of kids are just have super big, intense emotions, and sometimes they're just being, being loud because they're loud, and you have to uh, discipline them because God has given them a lot of energy. Um, but when they're rebelling from you, there's a right time to have energy and not, and, and we need to walk through that. And even it, with childishness, we need to give guidance and direction and, and, and to be able to speak into that um, so that they can grow. Uh, but we need to have, have discernment on that. And then also, too, like with kids, I learned with one of our, our kids, when they're tired, they don't just get sleepy. When I was tired, I was just sleepy. I just, let's go to bed. Um, but I, one of our kids, when they get tired, they're like, whoa, they're bouncing off the walls, and they're not trying to be rebellious. They just need to go to bed. So I don't say, don't, what are you doing? They say, time to go to bed. You're tired, aren't you? Yeah, I'm tired. But we need discernment in that. We need to grow in that so we can discipline well, know the difference between rebellion and disobedience and just being a child. So we grow in those things. And then also we're to instruct, there's instruction of the Lord. Or we're supposed to bring them up in the instruction of the word, the admonishing, the warnings, the truth of God's word. We need to be those who point our kids to God's word again and again to his word and to the gospel. We need to bring our kids before God's word time and time again. And one of the things, one of the commentaries I read this week, it was, had a, a general quote that you, we've probably heard different ways and different times. Sometimes we're like, nah, I just don't have time enough time. And it says, no one on their deathbed regrets spending too little time at the office. I can say, no one, at, no one at their deathbed regrets spending too little time on their phone or too little time. No, we need, we need to depart from some of those things so we can have more time um, for our kids. Um, so if, if we're going to, if one of the th things is going to get the short end of the stick, um, have um, your job get the short end of the stick and not your kids. Even, even me as a pastor, I'm sorry, but you guys are going to get the short end of the stick. My, my, my parents get, or my parents, my parents too, but my, my, my kids and my wife, they're going to get the majority there. Um, so we have time, so we have time to be with them. And now I, I have seven things here. I, I have the formula for a parent for discipleship right here. Just listen. Actually, I don't. Um, sometimes I'll read books and you'll think like, okay, this is what you do. And if you don't do this, oh my goodness. But that's not what this is for kids. I found even in, in our journey with our kids now, how we did things when they were little and maybe even last month looks a little different than, than today because our kids are changing. Sometimes when we bring into the word and we're doing different things, we realize, ah, they're not enjoying this at all. This is work for them. And you're like, well, 
I want, don't want to, to fuel their thinking that the, the going to the word is work. So like, how can we switch this up? How can we change it? So there's just different ways of doing this to fuel their desire for the word. And it's okay if one family, sometimes too, like at Facebook, you might see, oh, look at that family. Look, they're all sitting around and, and everyone's quiet. And you're like, oh, my family's a mess. Well, no, I mean, they had a good picture. Maybe they had a, come, someone take a picture for them. But, um, but all our families are different too. So it's going to look differently for different families. And sometimes we can get three weeks into a catechism and then we're like, man, this is not working. And then are we were memorizing something? We're like, man, they're hating this. So like, we got to do something different. So and that's okay. So all, all this to say, it's a journey. And the important thing is we fuel their passion for Jesus. And they know that we love them. I'm going to talk about that in a little bit too as well when you talk about provoking them. Some things though. Bring in practice of bringing your kids to church. Bring them to church. Uh, bring them to hear God's word and learn. Um, from older saints that will pour into their lives as well. Um, you, I think in Ephesians, um, they probably didn't have a, a children's ministry where they had a huge facility and a slide in it and stuff, but it was just about bringing your kids to be part of the gathering of God's people. And that's what you can do here or somewhere, hopefully here, if you're here. So, <laughs> but but read, read the Bible with your family. Again, it can look different ways at different times in your family. There's times where we've had um, storybook Bibles. There's times where we've read nightly, and there's times where we've read weekly, and there's sometimes where things have got busyness, but every other week, and then we get come back to it again, and it's looked different. We use different things at different times, but bring in your family before God's Word and switch it up. Uh, I think that's good um, to switch it up because your kids, they depend on the personalities. They might never tell you that they're just not enjoying it a whole lot. So switch it up, fuel them, see whether ask them, ask them. Um, do it together and separately, sometimes with your kids all together, sometimes separately. I was just reading a book recently uh, from, I was going, going through um, a weekly kind of um, seminar in class, and the pastor uh, wrote a book just on parenting, and he said that he was encouraged to, to do nightly things with each kid individually. And I was like, oh my goodness, I've missed it. My, life, my kids are going to be a mess. But no, uh, but there's times where I'm like, okay, well, yeah, there's times I can think of how can I individually you know, read the word with them sometimes, too. So there's different ways of doing it. Um, share also, share about your walk now with Jesus. What are you learning now? And also, when you were young. Sometimes I forget to share those stories, but when I do, I love to hear um, things about when I was younger as well. Share those things about how the Lord brought you along and your failings as well. Um, leave room for good questions to be asked as well. And don't be upset when they have difficult questions uh, and they're wrestling through their faith. You need to allow even your times when you go to the God's Word to be open for questions to happen. We've been, um, off and on, we've been doing a little bit in Genesis, and there's been some hard questions. Like, I'm like, man, I don't know. And, but I want them to be able to ask those questions. And we acknowledge our limitations as well. It should be a safe place to question, doubt, and even wrestle with their faith. Um, that should be, this should be the safest place for them to wrestle with their faith is in our home. And to not be heavy-handed with it. Uh, and we need to seek to maintain that loving, sacrificial, loving relationship with our kids. Uh, Grace-filled, open communication, loving them, asking forgiveness when we need to. And then pray with them. Pray both as a family, as individually, one-on-one. Pray for all sorts of things, from daily things to heavy things to family things to the loss to issues in our world. And pray for those things together. And you might say, well, I just don't have time. Well, if we have time to 
to watch TV together. We have time to, to, to point to Jesus. Not, it might not be every night. It might be. It might not be. There's different seasons and families and things. But there's time, and we want to fuel that passion. Now, this is from, I have several quotes in this last part from an English pastor, minister in the 1800s. Um, he has this little booklet that's called The Duties of Parents, and someone gave it to me a while back. But on, you can also get it for free on Amazon as a Kindle, as an ebook form. So if you just want some to, to read, that's really, it's from the 1800s, but man, um, it cuts deep now. And it can be helpful for parents and grandparents and, and aunts and uncles or whoever. Um, so this is by J.C. Ryle. J.C. Ryle, he wrote this, Precious, no doubt, are the little ones in your eyes, but if you love them, think often of their souls. No interest should weigh on you so much as their, as their eternal interests. To pet and pamper and indulge your children as if the world was all he had to look to, and this life is the only season for happiness, is not true love but cruelty. But cruelty. A true Christian must be no slave to fashion if we want to train our children for heaven. He must not be content to do things merely because they are the custom of the world. He must not teach and instruct his children in certain ways merely because it's the usual way. He must not allow them to read books of questionable sort merely because everybody else is reading them or let them form habits of doubtful tendencies merely because they're the habits of the day. He must train with an eye on his children's soul. He must not be ashamed to hear his training called narrow-minded and strange. What if it is? The time is short. The fashion of the world passes away. He has, his, he has trained his children for heaven rather than for earth, for God rather than for man, is the parent who will be called wise in the end. There's some good things, some good, good truth there, um, even just for our own soul as well. Are we training our own soul for the world, our, our own soul? the Lord. And who cares if someone calls us narrow-minded, if we're following after what is truth, what ultimately we bring flourishing and joy, not brokenness and scatteredness in their life. It says, do not provoke then, do not provoke your children to anger. Um, do not provoke our children to anger. And Paul says in Colossians 3, 21, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Be becoming discouraged and angry. Again, that call to care for them, to know them, to love them. This is from Psalm 103, 13 and 14. It says, As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Or the New Living says, For he, he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. So we have a God in heaven who understands our weaknesses. And as, as moms and dads, we need to have compassion on our kids and understand their weaknesses and not provoke them to anger. In Ephesians, it's talked a lot about anger, about dealing with your anger before the sun goes down and even taking anger and putting it away. I think Ephesians 4, 32, that's a good instruction for moms and dads, um, of grandmas and grandpas, aunts and uncles. So be kind to one another, tenderhearted, or be kind to your, chi- your kiddos. Be tenderhearted. Forgive one another. Forgive them. As, Christ, as God in Christ has forgiven you and, and asked for forgiveness, I would add as well, of your kids. So here we see that Paul must have known it was difficult to be a parent because he puts this in here, right? Um, he knew it would be a struggle. He knew that we would be, we'd be 
we tend to, to, to provoke even our kids to discouragement or to anger, that, that we're weak and we need God's grace. So we have this in here. And I think if, um, it was either in a sermon or a book that I was reading. It was talking about um, parenting and anger. And it talked about how a pastor once was, was speaking on anger. And then at the end called those who were wrestling with anger to come forward just so that, so that we could pray for them. And so at the end of the service... Um, it was a lot of moms of toddlers that came forward. Because <laughs> it's hard. Um, they, they provoke us a little bit, and we get angry with them, but we know it's a struggle. And I think there's different ways that we can provoke them. Sometimes we provoke them with our own anger, our own lack of impatience. I know that's true in my life. And we can provoke them that, to get angry. And we need to, to ask the Lord's grace and seek forgiveness when we do that. I think other ways that we provoke our kids is, is that we, by sometimes, both mom and dad can be true, but our absence um, can provoke them to anger. When we're not engaged, when we're home but not engaged, it can provoke them to anger. Or we're not home, it can provoke them to anger. Um, I think sometimes, too, we can provoke them to anger when we discipline um, childishness or maybe misunderstanding. Sometimes um, there's this misunderstanding and we discipline them for that. And they're like, no, no, we're here actually to instruct them and walk them through things they haven't walked through before. And sometimes I know I can be that, I assume like, why can't you get this? Why haven't you figured this out? And like, because I'm a child. <laughs> and sometimes we need to be reminded of that. Or maybe we misspeak. Even yesterday there was something that I had said it, and I didn't realize how I had said it, so there was misunderstanding about what I was, had asked them to do, and then Kelly said, actually, this is what you said, and I was like, oh, I could see how, how that was understood that way, so I was quick, you see, that was the moment, you know, am I just going to hold that and be like, eh, but I went to that child and was like, hey, this is what mom said, I said, I understand why you understood that way, I'm so sorry, but we need to, to be quick to do those kind of things um, with our, our kids, um, not provoking them to anger and to, to be there and and also recognizing that uh, God's grace is sufficient as well to mend and to heal when we do that poorly or maybe have done that for many years that it's never it's never too long past that point to go back and seek by God's grace to mend that just a few more quotes because we need to be reminded I think of that just that call to, to maintain that tender loving um, relationship with our kids this is from again from J.C. Ryle says, children's minds are cast in much the same way as our own. Sternness and severity of manner chill them and set them back. It shuts up their heart, and you will weary yourself to find the door. I know when I read that, I was like, oh. Uh, it, there's another um, pastor and writer and, and speaker called uh, uh, it's Paul David Tripp, and I think he says something to the effect of, when was it last effective to someone to get up in your face and be like, why aren't you doing this? And you're like, no, that's never effective. So why do we do that as parents sometimes? But let them see that you have an affectionate feeling toward them and that you really desire to make them happy and do them good so that if you punish them, they know it's intended for their well-being. Then he continues, nothing will compensate for the absence of this tenderness and love. A minister may speak the truth as it is in Jesus, clearly, forcibly, and unanswerably. But if he does not speak it in love, few souls will be won. Likewise, you must set before your children their duty. 
commands and punishments and reasons, but if affection is lacking in your treatment, your labor will, will be all in vain. Love is one grand secret. If you want a secret in parenting, I think this is true. Uh, might not be a certain method or, or things. I can do this and this and this and this. But love is one grand secret of successful training. Anger and harshness may frighten, but they will not persuade the child that you are right. If he often uses, if he often sees you lose your temper, you will cease to have his respect. A father who speaks to his son is solid to, to Jonathan when he is angry will kindle against him. Uh, will kindle against him, and he, as he called him, the son of a perverse, rebellious woman. Yeah, that's probably not the best thing to call your kid. Um, so try hard to maintain your child's affection. It's dangerous. It's a dangerous thing to make your child afraid of you. Anything is almost better than reserve and insecurity between you, your child, and you, but hesitation will result from fear. Fear puts an end to openness. Fear leads us um, to secrecy. Fear sows a seed of much hypocrisy and leads to many lies. So it's just, it's just a strong calling to love your kids and love them in Jesus and provide for an openness. Yes, you discipline and instruct, but may the grace of God be in the midst of all of that as we do that and grow in that. And, and, and to... As we fail and we fall short, as I have failed and fallen short in that, my kids can tell you. Don't tell them, don't tell them today, but maybe. We need God's grace, and it can mend those relationships where we've fallen short. So we can always seek those out, seek reconciliation, seek forgiveness, seek to mend. Because we know who Jesus is. He is one who is one who healed the lame made the blind to see, he rose the dead, and he can mend even, even wounds um, current in the past by his grace. And we're reminded that we're ambassadors, parents and grandparents, and even aunts and uncles, we are ambassadors of God's grace. We can't change our kids' hearts. Only Jesus can do that, but we can shepherd them and continue to point them to Jesus and, and die to self uh, and engage and be with them. Seek to have Christ as center and seek to, to point them to Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Father God, we thank you for your instruction. We thank you for the grace you've given us. We thank, I thank you that even in your word here, calls that we were even called to be yours. We, it says we were predestined to be adopted as your children. and We're your beloved children you're merciful and you're patient with us, even in the ways that we fall short. And we, we thank you for the design of family and marriage. And, and we thank you for even the calling, those of us who are parents, to, to point our kids to you. And we pray today um, that you would give us strength and wisdom to do that. that you would give us discernment um, to do that. Even, even those who are, are still seeking to parent adult kids and just point them to Jesus, would you give discernment and wisdom to those parents. I pray for those of young ones and, and for forgiveness when we fall short um, would help us to, to be those who fuel our kids' passion for Jesus. Lord, we pray for that. Pray for your discernment in all of these things. And we ask that you would enable us to make Christ the center of our, our life and, and our relationships and our home 
whatever that, that may be like in, in this uh, stage of our life. May you be center, I pray. Lord, I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we think about Christ as center of our life, um, we're, uh, we're reminded of that as we take weekly of the Lord's Supper. And we are reminded that Jesus Christ, who is fully God and fully man, man he died for us on the cross. Um, and that we might have new life in him. And we celebrate those things, and we celebrate we don't come as those who are perfect, those who need Jesus. So this morning we even come as those who we recognize, um, if any of us are parents, we recognize the ways that we've fallen short, and we, we know that we can come and find grace and forgiveness, and His grace and, and strength to, to call and continue to love and care for our kids, no matter the age that they're at this morning. So we, we come together, and we take of the bread that represents that broken body of Jesus Christ, and we take the cup that represents the spilt blood of Jesus Christ for us on the